0: Listening to Hope Signals, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries, offering Bible based insights to help you live a life of purpose and passion. Well, here we go. The first podcast in a couple of weeks. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. By the way, this is your host, Mark Mason. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals. Uh, You can learn more about our ministry at lifeontheverge.com. yeah, so we finished our our last, uh, at least scheduled, church gig for the year. Uh, we could have some others come up, but—and um, that was at Hope Community Church in Hedgesville, West Virginia, and one of my dearest friends there, he gave me a gift that <clears throat> kept on giving, Uh, We got home on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, October 8th, and by Tuesday, I was feeling a little tickle in my chest, a little bit of cough, and by Wednesday, I was in full-blown COVID-19 for the second time. I don't get it. Um, We have performed and been in tight quarters with literally 10,000 inmates or more, Uh, no problem at all. I've had COVID twice. And I'm talking about probably more than ten thousand over the past couple of years. The last time I had it was in November, or rather January of 2021. And my wife has it, by the way, and she had it back then. Uh, but both times, I've I've caught the the bad infection at church. Go figure, man. <laughs> Go figure. Not in prison, in the in that uncleanly place but in church. But nevertheless, uh, on the last day of Paxlovid, if you haven't had the joy of taking that medication, uh, we took it as a precaution because of our age. Um, you know, We're both 60 now, a, little, a couple years older. Last time, I, I think mine lasted maybe four or five days, just some chills and fevers and things like that, and then it just kind of went away. Susan was wiped out for 30 days. And uh, so we went ahead and did the Paxlovid route. And if you haven't had the joy of taking that medication uh, it has some side effects i the really only the side effect that i had was the i guess the number one complaint it leaves the most disgusting taste in your mouth for five days, you have to take this stuff, three big pills twice a day. Susan has had some other side effects, gastro stuff or whatever, but nevertheless, we're on the men. And this is the most words I think I've spoken since October 8th. Uh, so praise God for our immune systems and medication and all that stuff. Now, I will say this that, uh, you know, when I knew that it was COVID coming again, um, you can't help but be a little bit anxious. And that's what I want to talk about today is anxiety. Um, We all deal with anxiety, which I I was just journaling the other day, and I I thought to myself, you know, anxiety is kind of like it comes from a divided heart. And when Paul uses that word in Philippians 4, he says, Be anxious for nothing. That word in the Greek actually means to to have a divided heart, a divided way of thinking. And I just wrote down, you know, it's kind of like there's a battle between fear and faith going on in our minds. Now, that's not always a bad thing. When Paul said, be anxious for nothing, he wasn't talking about, well, don't have any uh, anxiety about riding a roller coaster. You know, you're going to have that little bit of you know, fear as you go click-clacking up that track. You know, I've probably told this story before. Uh, Well, let me me give you an idea of where I'm going with this. I don't know entirely. Some people have complimented my podcast because they say it just sounds like you're just, you know, letting it go, whatever. Well, that's what I'm doing most of the time. (laughs) I'm just sharing some thoughts. Sometimes they're more organized. Uh, I certainly don't have all the psychological reasons and solutions for dealing with anxiety. Um, It can be a, a legitimate problem, uh, like, I guess, clinical problem that people have to take medicine for. I get that, you know. Uh, But in general, I'm talking about the anxiety that we deal with day to day. Um, We all deal with it, okay, whether it's in traffic or it's getting on an airplane or it's being diagnosed with a sickness like COVID or something like that. We're dealing with this battle between fear and faith, and, you know, I thought, like, with the roller coaster thing, you know, I'm going to try to offer maybe some solutions on how I have dealt with anxiety through the years. I now I come from a long line of worry wards, you know, hypochondriac type people. Uh, if I haven't told the story before, like my grandmother, bless her heart, she's in heaven today. But I mean, if you had a, the slightest cough, you better go to the doctor and make sure it's not lung cancer. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, very, very, and her, apparently her mother was even worse than that. So, my grandmother, as a child, she's I'm, I'm talking about a little child, like five, six, seven years old. She's telling me about how my grandmother, my great grandmother, rather died and how she got gangrene in her leg and they had to take her leg off and she died in the hospital. And I mean, gangrene, that's a spooky word for somebody that's six or seven years old. So, One day, uh, back in the day when I guess people did this more often, didn't think much about it, my mom had gone into the drugstore and left me in the car. And I'm maybe seven years old. And it's summertime, and I'm wearing a pair of shorts. And I look down at my leg. And you know how you get a bruise, and that bruise sometimes turns blue, it turns greenish when it starts to heal? Man, I had a bruise that was healing like that. I ran in that store screaming my head off, I got gangrene, I got gangrene, just to give you some background of how I have had to deal with anxiety through the years. Um, I was thinking about the the roller coaster story, and, and I could have told this story before, but Uh, The first roller coaster I rode was the Rebel Yell. It's not called that anymore. Some politically correct reason, they changed it. Um, But it was called the Rebel Yell at King's Dominion uh, here in Virginia. Um, I was 12 years old, and I took a field trip with our school, and I was trying to fit in with all my peers, the cool kids, you know. And they tried to get me to ride the Rebel Yell, and I'd never ridden a roller coaster before. And I was petrified. It took the whole day before they finally convinced me to ride this roller coaster my friend Bobby, and we finally got in the car, got the bars put down, and as we started, and he was telling me, it's going to be good, man, it's, oh, it's so fun, it's so awesome, then we started click-clacking up that track, for those who don't know the Rebel Yellow is an old wooden roller coaster, very rickety sounding as you're click-clacking up, it was one of the biggest, uh, definitely the biggest in Virginia at the time, it was a very, very big wooden roller coaster, so we're, we're click-clacking up this hill. And of course, they got a skull and crossbones across the top where you you know you go over the the hill. And as we're going up, Bobby's like, "Man, you should have never did this. You made you screwed up, buddy. You made a mistake. You should have never got on this roller coaster." <laughs> and I mean, I wanted to kill him, but there was nothing I could do. I was already on it. And uh, of course, once we went down that first hill, it was like that was awesome. Let's do it again and again and again. And I loved roller coasters from then on out. Hadn't ridden one in years. Uh, now, I, I think my equilibrium at my age, I might, I don't know, freak out, pass out or something. But nonetheless, there was a battle between fear and faith. To do this thing, uh, do it despite the fear. There's someone that has a book out. I want to say it was Joyce Myers had a book called Do It Afraid. And That's really, you know, been one of the solutions for me through the years is that you're just going to have to do some things afraid, whether there's a fear or not. Um, And and then when you think about anxiety and fear in general, not all fear is bad. Uh, I wrote a book years ago, um, an e-book, turned out to be a little longer than your typical e-book, but... I wrote it in 2013, I think. Called F, It was called F Words That Matter Fear. I was going to write a series of books. Never did it. Maybe I will one day, but I did finish the one on fear and I just put it on our website as a PDF. It was a way of giving back to those that donate to our ministry. Now I think you can download Thrival Mode on our website if you haven't for free, the PDF, or you can go buy an actual copy on Amazon. But uh, I talk a lot about fear good fear and bad fear you know there, there is a not a life controlling fear okay um, proverbs 27: 12 talks about it says the prudent see danger and take refuge but the simple keep going and suffer for it so God has given us a keen sense of you know to how to how to deal with uh, fear which is really the root of anxiety I guess and um, how fear can be our friend, you know, fear tells us, look, I, I wear a seatbelt in my car, not because I'm afraid I'm going to get in a crash, but it's the prudent thing to do in case it does happen. I'm not going to let the fear of crashing keep me from driving a car, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I guess the question becomes, when we're dealing with anxiety, is it reasonable in light of the facts? You know, last January, someone tried to break in our house, they cut the screen on the back, Really a freakish thing. Weird time of day for it to happen. They unscrewed my light bulb on my deck. And I promptly <coughs> installed a number of cameras. Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, a little bit of COVID left. Installed cameras and uh, door sensors, window sensors, you know, motion detectors. Man, I, we went all out. It was not the fear of someone breaking in my house and harming me. I have what I call this justice chip in me that I just can't stand the idea of the bad guy getting away with it, and, and it's more that. It's the same reason I carry a gun. I carry a gun a lot. Look, I've regardless of your feelings about guns, I trained with a gun for 10 years. I've shot a lot of bullets in every training circumstance you can imagine, and I feel like it could be an asset. It could. It, I could not live with myself if I were ever in a position to save a life including mine, but to, to you know, the w- world we live in today. So I don't carry it out of fear, and I can't always carry it. So sometimes I just have to surrender to the moment. New York City, Chicago, I, I don't get it. You know, here, here a place where I could be an asset to the community if something happened, if I carry a pocket knife, I'll go to prison. I, I don't understand it. I'm not crazy about vis- visiting cities like that for that reason, but not to get too political. Nonetheless, uh, is the fear rational, and do I act in face in the face of it? Whether I'm fearful or not, am I still able to garner the faith to act in the face of the anxiety that I'm feeling? Sometimes people live very small lives because they are afraid. They're afraid to take a risk. They're afraid to fail. Um, and that, I-, I believe anyway, can be a lack of faith and trust in God. The word faith in the New Testament most often is translated to the word that means trust. Do I trust God? Uh, that doesn't mean that we do foolish things, but we don't let anxiety and fear control us. And, and I know that's easier said than done. You know, especially, I, I've, I'm someone who has dealt with panic attacks. It's been decades since that happened. Um, I think that it was really a, a a physiological thing, to be honest. I was working tons of hours, extra hours, as a police officer. We were trying to buy our first house around the clock. I was just stretching myself so thin. And if you've never had a panic attack, my middle daughter deals with panic attacks, and I do my best to, you know, not lecture her because I've been there. If you've had a panic attack, then you know, uh, I mean, they can vary, I guess, but it The feeling that overtook me one night, I just jumped up. I thought I was going to die. I was going to not be able to breathe. I just freaked out. It just came in like a wave. Now, I will say at that time, I think there was a spiritual war going on as well. I don't like to give too much credence to that, but I was not living for God like I knew I should and I was starting to attend church, and there was a spiritual war going on. And, and I do think that the enemy can use fear. The enemy can use anxiety. But I also think that God can allow that sometimes to kind of, you know, push us in the direction that we need to go. So if you've dealt with panic attacks, nonetheless, whether it was spiritual or physical, it was a real thing. I ended up going to the emergency room, you know, and getting checked out. Um, and, and then I, I think I had maybe one or two more minor attacks after that, uh, and I started to learn how to deal with it, you know, when it when it came on me, and I haven't dealt with it now for decades, but this idea of anxiety, we know, when Paul said in uh, Philippians 4, he said, be anxious for nothing. He wasn't talking about, well, you know, don't take precautions, uh, you know, for your safety, You know, don't look out for your family. He was talking about don't live a lifestyle of fear. Don't live a lifestyle that the worst is going to happen or could happen. And that's really, I I think it's Webster defines uh, in his 1828 dictionary concern or solicitude respecting some event, future, or uncertain, which disturbs the mind and keeps it in a state of painful uneasiness. God does not want us to live in a spirit. Of painful uneasiness all the time. And it's important to note that the world around us, especially the media in particular, uh, that is what drives eyeballs to their websites and their channels is to constantly stir up fear. Take a moment, open up a news app or go to a news website look at how many headlines are designed to generate some level of anxiety or fear. And it's been that way my whole life. I know there are terrible things coming on the earth. Matter of fact, uh, the Bible says that, that the, the fear of things coming on the earth will cause men's hearts to fail them. Well, let that not be said of us as Christians. We know the day is approaching. We're going to stand before the Lord. The the best kind of fear to have is a fear of God, a constant uh, recognition that He is there, that I'm going to stand before Him, that I want to live in a manner that's worthy of the life He's called me to, and I keep bringing myself back to that base, and knowing that God will give me what I need day to day, moment to moment. He'll provide for my needs. So, l- let's go back to the idea of the fear. Of a potentially catastrophic outcome can be the way God designed to keep us safe. So there's things that that we should fear, or you know, we should use fear as as a tool, uh, good fear. You know, uh, I I fear that my kids might get into the cabinet and you know swallow some cleaning chemical. Therefore, I put locks on the cabinets. That's a reasonable concern. I, I prefer to use the word concern over fear, but it is it is. Fear, But when it comes to unreasonable fear, unreasonable anxiety, that's when I've got to back up. And I've got to say, well, first off, um, is this a legitimate phobia? Phobias are a hard thing to explain. Even the word phobia is a weird word, isn't it? Um, People have all sorts of phobias. I've looked up a couple of these out of my book. Uh, pelidophobia. that is a fear of bald people. No wonder people run from me. Um, caligenophobia, a fear of beautiful women. <laughs> I'm phallob, I can't even pronounce it, but there's a fear of belly buttons. There's a fear of the boogeyman. Uh, ecclesiophobia, that's a fear of church. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot. Carnophobia, a fear of meat. Uh, people have, I guess, legit phobias that and and, you know I can't think of too many that I'll tell you okay here's here's a funny phobia that I have maybe you can think of some weird ones you have I don't know why I have this phobia but one if I buy a container from the grocery store and I pop the lid and it doesn't pop I have a fear of people tampering with my food or drink you know Um, and, and that can be not an unhealthy fear sometimes I'll just Eat it anyway. Not if, not if the lids pop from the grocery store. I will take it right back. Uh, but in the world we live in, you know, it's just one of those weird phobias. And maybe you've got a couple as well. And But I, I can see that it's not reasonable when I back up from it. And that's the question. When you have an anxiety, when you have a fear, is this reasonable uh, in light of what God has promised, in light of what God has said? Is it is it reasonable for me to fear that I'm not going to have food on my table, a roof over my head, that God's not going to take care of me, supply all my needs according to his riches and glory? You know, I mean, if I'm working and I'm, I'm doing what I can do, God will take care of me somehow, some way. He'll give me the idea. He'll give me the talent, the skill, the connection, whatever it is I need. I might not always get what I want, but I'll have what I need, right? So is it an unreasonable, unsubstantiated fear? That's the question. Now, I'm not, you know, I'll be honest with you, and I don't know if it's a phobia, um, but I don't like flying. I just don't like it. I've flown many times in my life, but I don't like it. But it's an unreasonable fear. Um, Next month, uh, we have the privilege, maybe I mentioned this in the podcast, but my son, Bought uh, bought us tickets to Ireland, and then we're going to go over to England. We're going to go to three of his concerts and probably serve as roadies and merch people or whatever. Uh, and really cool thing happened. I may have shared this in a previous podcast, but it turns out that my son's best friend uh, is the son of a man named Billy Smiley. Billy Smiley was the found, founder of a band called Whiteheart. Whiteheart uh, was a very, very big uh, Christian rock band back in the 80s and 90s. Uh, The very first song I ever sang publicly was a song called Desert Rose in 1992 by Whiteheart. Well, now Billy Smiley, my son's friend's dad... Uh, has become an acquaintance, and we're supposed to meet and talk about writing some songs. He owns a studio in Nashville, and he he brought it up. He's like, "Hey, man, let's get together and write some songs. You know, some real songs for these kids to sing," which I find laughable. But but he is still in the game, you know, in Nashville and all. So it's going to be kind of a little bit of a work, and and hopefully we're going to have uh, three or four days to enjoy some time together. But it's going to be a long flight. That's my point. And. It's going to be a red eye too. We're going to be flying overnight to get to Dublin, and then we fly to England, and then we. And you know, sometimes the best way to overcome a fear is to face it. You know, and so I don't let the fear control me. I don't. I don't even know if it's a fear. Um, You know, it's an unreasonable fear if it is a fear. It's partly I'm a control freak, and so I think in my silly mind that I'm safer driving a 40,000-pound RV with a full-size pickup behind it down I-95, I think that that is somehow safer than a commercial jetliner. That's kind of ridiculous. There's far more crashes on the highway, far more crashes on the highway. But because I'm in control, I think somehow, you know, it's safer. Well, that's unreasonable, and that's not true. And so... You know, I guess if I was given advice on how I deal with fear is sometimes you just got to do it afraid. You, you have to do it. Is it unreasonable? If it's unreasonable, then let me do the reasonable thing and act in the face of this anxiety. And when it comes to public performance, for example, uh, or, or ministry, for, for that matter, we just did uh, Hedgesville Ch- uh, Hope Community Church in Hedgesville a couple of weeks ago. And I've been speaking in front of people now for, I don't know, 30-plus years, and I still get anxiety. Uh, I want it to go well. I don't want to fail. I don't want to lose my place. I want to say things that help people. And so there's a fear and an anxiety that it's always there. But I've got to do it anyway, and trust the Lord has put me in this position to do this thing. And is the—or is the enemy trying to rob me, you know— uh I know there's a couple of you that listen that you put your musical skills out there recently, or, or maybe you're a writer, and putting your stuff out for public consumption can create quite a bit of anxiety, and I think that's that's normal because we want to come off well. We're afraid, you know, the fear of man is a snare. Scripture says that. Well, the truth is, not everybody is going to like what you put out, and. And there may be critics, and usually those critics are more cynics than they are critics. They're just people being cynical because they're not doing anything, and they're going to say nasty things. And, you know, in 30 years of ministry, I haven't gotten a lot of that, but I've gotten quite a bit. Um, but compared to the people that have got back with me that said, hey, man, I appreciate what you did, you helped me, it far outweighs it, uh, what the negative things that people have said. And so it's unreasonable for me to not continue to put content out whether it's through podcast or it's music or or speaking because I know that it can it can help somebody. So, I guess the question is, when you have anxiety, is it unreasonable? Is it unsubstantiated fear? Then my advice would be well, do it anyway, do it do it afraid. Remember what Paul said, be anxious for nothing, and he gave us a prescription for dealing with anxiety by the way. Uh, In that, let me read that whole scripture. He said in Philippians four six through nine, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God. Now I'll, I'll stop there. Well, the promise after that, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so he's telling us, look, begin with thanksgiving. With prayer and petition look at what god has already done that's a faith builder to look at how far you've come look at the things that you have accomplished um and god has not failed you he's not going to fail you this time either so you can trust that even if things don't go the way you hoped god will make it work out for the good one way or the other if your motives are, are as pure as human motives can be um and you take a step to do something and you stumble, and you falter, and you fail, you can trust that God is gonna cause those pieces to converge over time. That's a lovely word, convergence. I mentioned I might do a podcast on it one day, but as I look back over our lives, and I look, yeah, I talked about singing Desert Rose in 1992. I'm gonna tell you, you wanna talk about anxiety. I had never sung publicly in front of a group of people in my life. I had never intended to, I had never made it a goal to. I was a guitar player, and I was a songwriter. And I had written a song uh, that I was going to submit to a songwriting contest. I did not know the music pastor at our church, but I knew where he lived. He lived right around the corner from me. So I took my little cassette that I made of this song. I wanted to get his feedback before I turned it in. I put it in an envelope with a note, and I slipped it in his mailbox. I, I, I was just too shy to even talk to the guy. Well, he called me a short time later. I went over his house and he said, have a a seat in his little den there. And and we talked ministry. And and of course, he heard that tape, which led to the youth pastor uh, being told that I, I could sing a little bit. And so I was asked to sing an item. They called it back then a special song in the youth group. I was petrified. I mean, at the time I was a cop. I wasn't a public speaker, hadn't did any public speaking. I had an hour plus commute back and forth to work. And I bet I sang that song a hundred times at least. Uh, I wanted it to go right. But I would faced a crossroads. And I've faced many crossroads in my life where fear tried to hold me back and keep me from taking advantage of something that God had put in my path. And that's where fear becomes control and can control your whole destiny. Anxiety can control your whole destiny. Um, But as you take those steps, you you go ahead and you do it. your faith grows. You, you find out, just like the roller coaster, that wasn't so bad, I think I'll ride it again. And you still have anxiety as they click-clack up that track, you know, as you as you step on that stage, as you make that call, as you do that thing that brings you anxiety, but it's a little lessened, and it just gets dumbed down more and more. Well, when we, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present our request to God, we're reflecting with thanksgiving as a reflection on what God has already done. You know, David you know, you, the same God that gave me victory over the lion and the bear is going to give me victory over this giant. Now, I'm sure that David, despite the fact that he had great faith, despite the fact that he was obviously a pretty pretty well-trained warrior with a slingshot, he wasn't just some little boy with a little toy or slingshot. He knew how to use that thing. He was a warrior, the Bible tells us. I mean, he went on to be a great, great warrior for the nation of Israel. Um, so, but he did it. First, looking back at what God had already done. And, and sometimes when we give God thanks, it, it builds our faith to say, the same God that got me here will get me there. I trust it in Jesus' name. And from that, Paul promises the peace of God that we, we don't understand, but we have a peace that God is giving us to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. He goes on. There's more to the prescription for anxiety from Paul. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you've learned or received from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. These words are coming from a man that had every reason to live an anxious life. He had been arrested and stripped naked and flogged and beaten with a whip. I mean, he'd been through hell on earth. And he's saying, look, don't focus on the things that are true. Is this true? Is this honorable? Is this right? Is this pure and lovely and admirable? Is it excellent and praiseworthy? Think on these things well, when we look at the society that we live in, it's geared toward causing us to think on anything but those things. I shared a while back the the proverb that says, "Guard your heart," because from it, you know, come the issues of life. Uh, our heart, meaning our mind, to guard our mind. And I'm preaching to myself now, okay, because I can get especially during this. You know, I don't know how many of you had COVID, but it wasn't terrible as it could have been, obviously, but. You know, you just feel terrible, I mean, as far as, like, fever and clammy and chills and just, uh I didn't feel like doing anything. I could not do a podcast. I couldn't play a guitar note, hardly. I just wanted to sit there and suffer, you know? But I would surf on my phone a lot, and I've been following everything that's happening in Israel and the tragedies that happened there, and the world is up in arms, reading too much news, looking at too much news. We can stay informed what's going on in our world. Uh... But sometimes we can saturate our brain in that so much that it just creates a, a, a just a low-level anxiety that never goes away. And, and I want to encourage you to do what I plan to do, and that is to just turn that stuff off and begin to run things through that filter of, is it true? Is it honorable? Is this noble? Is this pure, praiseworthy? Is it excellent? These are the things that I want to think on because... Even thinking on those things, the world that we live in, anxiety, you know, I was talking to a buddy, uh, hey, Lee Dunphy, um, who's a you know supporter of Life on the Verge, he and his lovely wife, Lisa, and, and I got to see him and a couple other friends uh, that listen to the podcast at uh, Hope Community Church, uh, Brandon and Carolyn, I'm going to leave you out. Got to pray with you guys. Thank God I didn't pass COVID to you because I know that's where I picked it up, not from you. I know who I got it from. I won't go there. But... Uh I was discussing with Lee the fact that we are 60 years old. I, I think he's 60, he might be 61, he's a little bit older than me, not much. But it's crazy, man, to think I'm 60. You know, that's why I took this Paxlova this time around. I was like, I- I'm I'm a senior and not a high school senior. <laughs> I'm an AARP senior. And so my finish line is getting closer and closer. And uh when, no matter if if life goes perfect, you know, and I live to be a hundred, I'm well past the halfway point, and uh, the odds of that happening aren't that great, you know, who knows? Uh, but I, my friend Jimmy Bratcher, you uh, said something one time when I was talking to him, He said, "Well, man, I've lived all these lives by faith, and I plan plan to li- plan to die by faith. And that's the way I want to think is you know what, this life is come. it's it's like a vapor waiting to pass. You know, uh, this week, Suzanne Summers. some of you have no idea who that is, but she was a big part of those my age, you know, Three's Company and all that was a big show back in the 70s, I think. And just watching as more and more people that were part of society uh, when I was, and, and I'm not just talking about famous people, you know, uh, you know, friends and associates and people in ministry and family, uh you know the generation is changing over i mean the baby boomer generation is you know starting to just fall off the other side and and i will too and that's something that could be easily easy to be anxious about but rather let me live a life of thanksgiving and present my prayers and my petitions to god lord you promised that i would continue to bear fruit in old age and let me bear fruit. Let me stay forward-focused until that day that I see you face-to-face. And I don't have all the solutions for dealing with anxiety. I'll tell you that right now. But I'll share. Hopefully, I'll I'll be able to do a couple more podcasts um, on just talking about dealing with anxiety. Maybe you've have some solutions on how you have dealt with anxious moments. Now, there's there's that low-level anxiety I'm talking about that we can deal with day to day. We get up in the morning and, we, you know, some people are addicted to worry. Like, if I'm not worrying about something, life ain't right, you know. That's not cool. But then there are anxious moments, and that's when you're about to do something, about to sign that contract, about to have that conversation, um, and my encouragement, I guess, if I was going to give an application here, um, is do it afraid, do it anyway. You know, if you if if you've prayed to God for wisdom, you've gotten counsel. It's a risky thing. It could affect the lives of other people, not just yourself. Ask yourself, okay, what's holding me back? Is this fear trying to hold me back from something that God has for me? I hope that helps. I know I just rambled it out. I didn't even have clear cut notes in front of me, but it's one of those things I felt like maybe uh, I wanted to talk about for my own sake. Uh, If you're dealing with anxiety today, let me just encourage you, guard your mind out of it. Flow the issues of life. Bless you. Have a great week. Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded IRS 501c3. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about our work inside and outside of prison, visit lifeontheverge.com. If you'd like to hear more of our music, visit theplunders.com.